When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Let's see if I can go one more hour without coughing up a lung. We'll see. Uh, good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Good, Anita. Are you uh, hanging in there? I'm trying. I'm trying, dude. I'm trying. I, I, and, and, and Kiwi, we haven't talked about this. I'm just curious. Like, so how is your day, Mike? Like, what are you, like, how, are you watching the game with your, your family? Are you, do you have people over? Like, how are you going to – how are you taking in these two games today? Yeah, it's interesting. Yesterday was the first Saturday I was at home since August. So this whole weekend wow. was sort of like getting, like, you know, reoriented to uh, society. But um, <laughs> this may not surprise you, but kind of like watching it by myself. I don't like people bloviating in the background. Yeah. And, like, you know, there's a game on. So I'm not – there's a time and place to be social. This isn't one of those days. I'll, so I'll you're going you, to watch it totally by yourself? Yeah, take notes. You know, I got a lot of stuff tonight and tomorrow with ESPN, so uh, I'm a big note taker during the game. Yeah, so am I. Kiwi, how how do you take in the games tonight? Yeah, bear, same way. Like I, I, you know, I rather watch it on my own so that I can, you know, do my own analysis and not have to to worry about any any distractions or any of that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I'm not probably not as diligent taking notes with with every single game. But you notice the different things in what you know the majority of people are looking at. So for me, I like to rewind it if I see a good play or or something that happens, especially on the defensive line side of the ball. And so you know, I, I appreciate having that that quiet, peaceful time to just take in the game. Well, I, I have a ton of Eagles fans coming over here today. So, <laughs> um, the opposite. So I'm, yeah. So total, it's they, total po- polar to- opposite from you guys. Anita, are those people going to leave happy or are they going to leave disappointed? Oh, I think they're going to leave really happy. Um, uh, Kiwi and I have had an opportunity to spend the, the, the last two hours talking about this matchup. I, I, I love the Eagles. I just, as much as, as I love the story with Brock Purdy, uh, <laughs> him coming into the link, this is only his third, his third road game. And I came across an interesting stat here, guys. Do you know that he's only thrown four passes by the 49ers with the Eagles with the 49ers down by one score that's it he's never been in a situation where he's like down by two touchdowns um I think he's going to be in a lot of third and long situations at the link I I know the Eagles and the 49ers their their teams are very compatible in regards to their strengths and weaknesses um I just I just I think Purdy is going to be in for a long day what what do you think Mike you know, it's funny. I think that's a very logical sort of thing to think about. I just don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to let that happen. And I think they're going to throw early and run. Like, I think if it's third and eight or something like that early in the game, I can see them running the ball. And I think there's a great axiom that applies here, which is especially when you're on the road in a big game, guys, like you can't win the game the first quarter, but you certainly can lose it. And I think Kyle Shanahan knows that, and I think that's going to happen. So I actually like – San Francisco because I think Fred Warner's the difference. I think to beat this Eagle offense, you have to have speed at linebacker because as Kiwi knows, when you're playing 11-on-11 football, it puts so much pressure 
on on your assignments and also like speed in, in the secondary to keep up with Jalen Hurts. So I think San Francisco is really built to beat them. Now I know it's crazy to take a rookie quarterback on the road, but um, if anyone's built to beat the Eagles team, I think it's the 49ers. But here here's the thing, Mike. It's not just a rookie quarterback. It's it's the last pick in the NFL. It's it's. 31 teams passed on him seven times. It's not like you're talking about a rookie quarterback that was drafted in the first round or the second round. I just don't, here's the thing. I just don't think, Brock Purdy has not been asked to win a game for them. Right? Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen today. I, I Like, I just don't think, I think there's going to be one of those games where they're going to, again, throw it early and run it when they have to and, um, you know, the Eagles are just built to play with the lead. You know, all their sacks, like, they're, they're, they're built so complimentary, which is, you know, a real tribute to them. And um, if they have a vulnerability, I think it's their run defense. And I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of runs and a lot of, you know, short passes, especially early by the 49ers. And that's kind of been their formula. So, and by the way, like, this includes me. Like, the decision-making around drafts, like, are far from perfect, you know, and – when you go back and look at Brock Purdy, he was a good player, but he had no special measurables. And our league, whether it's fair or unfair, we consistently make mistakes when we're beholden to things like height, weight, and speed. And clearly, you know, I didn't have Brock Purdy very high. Like, a lot of us had it wrong, including the 49ers. I mean, if they thought he was going to be this good, there's no way they would have drafted him in the seventh round. Mm -hmm. I think there's what Anita was saying and, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but when she brought up, especially the statistic about Brock Purdy not having thrown a touch or a pass um, down by a score, is how do you account for his lack of experience? You know, how do you mm-hmm. account for you know the fact that this is a playoff game, playoff atmosphere that everybody knows is is much more intense, and he's going out there, not saying what he is capable of isn't extraordinary, but how do you you know you know gamble on somebody who you just you don't know how they're going to react? You know, I've talked about this all week, Kiwi, and I was there with Rex Ryan, who did an unbelievable job with Mark Sanchez. And I will, and this is why I thought, you know, they should have fired Mike McCarthy. 11 of the 17 interceptions that Dak Prescott had this year, including the playoffs, was when they had the game was either tied or the lead. And that's inexcusable. That's not only poor play, but that's extremely poor coaching in my mind. And one of the great things that Rex used to do with Brian Schottenheimer and Mark Sanchez was like, look, if this game is tied or if we have the lead, you're not allowed to throw an interception. Don't call a play that will lead to that. Don't even look that way unless you're 100% sure the ball is going to be completed. And if Dallas had that mindset, we could be talking about a you know Cowboy-Eagle championship game today. So I think Kyle Shanahan is going to manage Brock Purdy in a way where I totally understand what your guys are saying, his lack of experience, some front pick, all those things are true. But I just think – that won't happen until the second half and if they're down by 10 or more points. But until then, hey, we got Christian McCaffrey. We got Elijah Mitchell. We have a good offensive line. And we're going to use our great zone run game, a lot of perimeter runs. We'll run boots off of that. And we're okay punting. And until they have that explosive play to George Kittle, that's kind of what last week's game played out too. So are, let me, are you saying that you know part of the problem with Dak is that plays were being called or pass plays were being called while they were up or ahead and so they shouldn't you yeah. shouldn't you shouldn't call a pass play if you're if you're up like your quarterback can't complete a ball no no there's certain types of throws 
it's it's both coaching and play. Like if you go back to last week, Kiwi, you can't triple pump and throw the ball late outside mm-hmm. the numbers. Like you can't mm-hmm. do that in Pop Warner. You can't do that in high school, college, let alone an NFL playoff game. He needs to know better. And then on the second and two at the plus eighteen on that on the second interception, Dak's got to know that if if I'm going to check it down to guys like Fred Warner who are so good at reading quarterbacks' eyes. San Francisco plays the third most amount of zone in the league, and they're exceptional at it. He needs to know, and he needs to be reminded during the week that, like, look, late in the down, if you're going to check the ball down against this defense, you're just better off running it. And if he had run it, he would have gotten two yards. They would have probably gotten points there. Now we know what was going on with the field goal kicker. So, you know, there is a different dynamic there. But how you're coached and how you execute the game plan against your opponent it, it, that's the difference between wins and losses this time of the year because everyone's so, you know, the games are so close. And I understand your point about Brock Purdy and only throwing four passes um, when they're behind. But, again, I think Kyle's going to manage the game much better than the way Mike McCarthy did. Uh, one quick note, Tevin, uh, Tevin uh, Coleman has been elevated from the practice squad, which means that there's some speculation out there that Elijah, Elijah Mitchell might not be active for this game. So we got to keep an eye on that. Um, by the way, <clears throat> this portion of game day brought to you by Sloman. Sloman's Home Security is celebrating their 100th year anniversary. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to protect your home and family. When we come back, we'll do a deep dive into the Kansas City-Cincinnati game, and we'll uh, we'll get Mike Tannenbaum's thoughts on the hire of uh, Nathaniel Hackett and what the Giants need to do uh, with, uh, with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley contract-wise. So still a lot more coming your way. New York game day here on 98.7 ESPN. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. We're in this game back-to-back years, and I think if if you would have told people that we were going to be in this spot a couple years ago, I think people would say we were crazy. But you know, we trusted the process and trusted the organization and the front office, and put together a great team and and great people. And got us to this point. Joe Burrow talking about the Cincinnati Bengals just one went away from going back to the Super Bowl. And guys, should I use the word shocked? I don't, I just, and, and, and you know this better than anyone, Matthias, the amount of sacrifice, right, mm-hmm. that it takes for a team to do what they need to do um, consistently throughout the season to get back to this spot, to get back to this place, and, and to do that yet again after losing last year. Um, we saw what happened with the Rams, right? Super Bowl hangover. So, um, I, like, I, like I, I commend the Cincinnati team. I, I, I like this Bengals team. I'm, I'm surprised that they're not favored 
um, especially with Mahomes coming in with that ankle injury. Um, I just think Cincinnati's the better team. Mike Tannenbaum, your thoughts on this matchup later on tonight? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, they're the better team. The quarterback's playing better than Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, you're talking about two great quarterbacks, but um, he really reminds me of Tom Brady. That first touchdown last week to Jamar Chase just really reminded me of 20 years of scar tissue of playing Tom Brady, which is if you make just the slightest mistake in a zone, he will find you and kill you, and that's what happened. And I thought that really started the game off. I thought since I was going to win, I was shocked by how much, because I was concerned about their backup offense linemen. But the definition of greatness is when you take guys like Jackson, Carmen, and two other backup offense linemen and win a road playoff game. That is really showing the definition. Like he's not worth fifty million; he's worth sixty million. I mean, like what he is able to do is really incredible. And then let's give credit to uh, you know Staten Island's Lou Anarumo of Wagner College, where yep, you know they lose they lose their best corner in Chidobia Ouzier. And they go out there with Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, who's a great nickel, and then Cam Taylor-Britt. And their secondaries played really good football. You know, they got Jesse Bates back there. And um, I think their secondary is solid, not great. And uh, they got two pass rushers in Trey Hendrickson and Hubbard. And um, I just think the Bengals are the better team, and I expect them to win today. Kiwi? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I appreciate your take on it. I, I definitely think um, Cincinnati is is the better team right now. But I, I also think that, you know, Patrick Mahomes being injured or potentially having, you know, ankle issues um, in this game also it plays a big role in it for me. You know, I think um, – but they're two very different styles of play, two very different quarterbacks. Patrick is able to extend plays and, and make people miss and, and do some incredible things. And so that, as much as he's able to do that, I think there still gives him an opportunity because he's not um, – uh, you know, reliant on just one aspect. He can just extend the play and then and then find somebody to, um, you know, to get the ball to. But um, I agree with you, the, your assessment. Uh, Burrow is playing, you know, great football. The talk last week was about, the, you know, the offensive line and, and um, you know, how they were – we anticipated them them struggling, and they, they found a way. And to your point, Anita, the sacrifice that goes into getting an, an entire group of guys to, to get there and then also having, um, you know, staff and training staff included – that understands how to get guys prepared and and healthy at the right times, and um, then you talk about the you know the coaching staff being able to make sure everybody in the room is prepared for situations like you know Eli Apple has to go in there, but um, yeah, there's definitely definitely a lot that goes into it, and you know recreating it again and again is, is difficult, so you got to give them a lot of credit. You know, I, I one thing that I don't think has been discussed enough, guys, is Joe Burrow and his appendix surgery that took place right before the the regular season started. You know, and I'm not a doctor, okay, Avi, um, <clears throat> but his, append- his, his appendix burst. It wasn't like, and I don't know how familiar you, I've, I've had two friends who've had their appendix removed, but it was early on. It was like, ooh, I don't feel well. I've got, I got a really bad pain in my side and I feel nauseous and they're rushed to the hospital or they go see the doctor, they're rushed to the hospital and then they do orthoscopic surgery. They go in there and they remove the appendix and okay, like it's they're 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 in some pain for like a week, uh, hobbling around the house. But after that, they're fine. Joe Burrow's appendix burst, so like that's poison that now is like seeping through your body and affecting your organs. Hmm. So it was emergency surgery, um, you know. And a lot of times when an appendix burst, and 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 time is of the essence because the more that that 
poison is in your body, a lot of times they have to like remove your organs and clean them out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the extent of, you know, the severity of how long it was from his appendix bursting until they were able to, to get a, a knife to skin to open him up. But like, I think that was a really big, like what they started one in four, right guys? Like, like they didn't, they didn't start the season great. Like they struggled early on in the season. And then, and then I, I just, and then I, I, I thought we saw like, you know, Burrow starting to get healthier. Um, I, I just, I, I guess I, what I'm saying is I, I wonder what the record would be for this Bengals team if that would not have happened a week before the season started. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's really fair. You know, the other thing I thought of last week, guys, was similar to that. Anita, I think this is kind of where you're going, is let's give credit to uh, two other teams out there, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. You know, it, but for that really weird play with Tyler Huntley and the fumble return, like Baltimore may have beaten Cincinnati in the playoff game. And think about how tough Pittsburgh and Baltimore are because, you know, they, they have played Cincinnati toe-to-toe, you know, for the last couple of years like I said, including that Baltimore playoff game. And then they go on the road and absolutely dismantle the Buffalo Bills. And all I could think about was like, wow, those two other teams must have been better than we all realized. Mm-hmm. Um, and where's, you know, where's Baltimore with a healthy Lamar Jackson? Like, we'll never know. But, um, you know, it just shows you how tough that AFC North is between his surgery, but also the fact that, like, how tough those defenses are, both Pittsburgh's and Baltimore, because I was just shocked. Like, they they went up and down the field on the road against Buffalo. Now, look, Buffalo's missing. We know about their secondary. We know about Von Miller, but it's still a road playoff win. I, listen, yep. I, I, love the, I love the AFC North. I lived in Baltimore for four years. I covered the Ravens, um, and I covered the Ravens around that time that the Ravens-Pittsburgh Steelers rivalry was, I think, one of the best in all of sport, right? Um, I, I just, I think, I think the AFC North is such a, it's such a heavyweight division in the NFL. And it's, it's not, it's not just, uh, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. It's Cle- Let me tell you something. Cleveland has Cincinnati's number. Keep that in mind. Cleveland has had a lot of success against Cincinnati. That's a really, really competitive division. I think you're absolutely right, Mike. Uh, Kiwi, what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I think you... You benefit if you can stay healthy. You benefit from playing in a division that's very tough like that because you get to see a lot of different things. You get to understand how you're going to react or put in different situations, um, and you get to test your your strengths and your weaknesses, especially you know your depth. But those you know, those divisions that are really tough tend to beat up on each other, and a lot of times you know teams won't make it into the postseason because they're so beat up from playing in um, you know in a tough division. But the AFC North definitely um, you know had a lot of a lot of good competition, and so I think Cincinnati coming into this game they they've seen it all. You know they'll they will be and they have been prepared pretty well uh, thus far. All right, guys. When we come back, uh, let's let's center our attention to what's going on locally here with the Jets and the Giants. Again, the Jets hire Nathaniel Hackett. I want to get Mike's opinion on that and his thoughts on potentially Aaron Rodgers making his way to New York, and also what the Giants need to do with the contracts with both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. We'll address both of those next, right here on New York Game Day, ninety-eight point seven ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, 
poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Good afternoon, Cincinnati. I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Be it proclaimed, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Burrowhead Stadium for their second consecutive AFC Championship game. Whereas at last year's game, the Bengals scored more points than the Chiefs, resulting in a Bengals victory and a Chiefs loss. Whereas Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test, confirming whether or not he's his father. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Joe Burrow's your daddy, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Guys, let's take a call before we start talking New before we start talking New York sports. Let's go to Mitch in East Windsor. Mitch, welcome in. Welcome into New York Game Day. How you doing? Good in here. How's everything? Great. Welcome in. What you got? Yeah, I think this guy Joe Burrow, he's, he's amazing. He only can't do like um, um, Pat Mahomes, like he's not as good as a runner as Mahomes is. Uh, the only one where they have to. He'll run after. If he beats Mahomes again, it'd be great to see him against uh, the 49ers. And all these teams have good quarterbacks for the next 10, 12 years. I think 49ers got three starters. I mean, you know, Jimmy's walking. They might want to think about trading either Purdy or, or Trey Lance. And I'll probably draft a quarterback in the middle of the round just as a backup to um, to uh, Purdy or, or Lance. Will, like, start. Mitch, Will, thank you for your phone call. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, Mike, I just want, I want to go to you here. Like, champagne problems, right, for what the 49ers have. They've got Purdy. You, you, I'm sure they like what they've seen from him. You, you gave up the kitchen sink to go get Trey Lance. We're all anticipating Jimmy Garoppolo to play for another team next year. What do you do? If you're the general manager of the 49ers, what do you do with this quarterback situation? Yeah, like you said, great problems to have, first of all. Um, look, I think it, it becomes more apparent every day. You know, Brock Purdy has, I shouldn't say has to, but should be your starter. Um, obviously, let's see how he plays today. But I think you're bringing Trey Lance back. And, guys, like, what have we seen all season long? Like, team after team after team, even, let's face it, Chad Henney made some consequential plays against mm-hmm. the Jaguars, like, you need depth of that position. You know, Cooper Rush uh, held serve. You know, Gardner Minshew held serve. So, 17 games, I want two good young quarterbacks. I'm going with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. All right, let's turn our attention to what's going on here in our own backyard. Let's start with the Jets. Nathaniel Hackett has been fired as the offense, has been hired as the offensive coordinator. Uh, and there's a lot of speculation, Mike, that the reason that he was hired is that the Jets are trying to lure – uh, Aaron Rodgers here to New York. What What are your thoughts about this hire, and what do you think the likeliness is that Aaron comes to New York? Yeah, well, first of all, it makes me feel old. I remember Nathaniel walking around our facility when his dad, Paul, 
was the uh, offensive coordinator, which is just like shocking to me. So, um, but look, I think he did good things when he was with Jacksonville, got to the championship game. They had really like a run heavy offense behind Leonard Fournette. Then, um, you know, he got let go pretty quick after that, which I candidly was a little bit of a surprise given his relationship with Doug Marone. Um, Hard to assess the credit he should deserve in Green Bay, given the fact that he's not the play caller. Um, and obviously things didn't work out as a head coach in Denver. That's well documented. That doesn't mean he can't be a good coordinator. I got to tell you, like, I would put zero. If I was hiring Nathaniel Hackett, I would put zero into the category of let's hire him to get Aaron Rodgers because there is a million things that have to happen to have Aaron Rodgers be a Jet. And I know from training for Brett Favre, this is a true three-party transaction, so even putting the complexities of the salary cap to the side, the Jets have to figure out, can we pay this guy $58 million, which is, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers is probably worth it, but with everything else you have going on, Green Bay would want to do it after June 1st, and then you have to figure out the compensation. And I know when we traded for Favre, we gave him a third-round pick because we figured, like, hey, if we get one year out of him, you know, a third-round pick's not ideal, but it's Brett Favre will do it. But I think Green Bay is going to want at least a first-round pick, guys, maybe more. And if you're the Jets or any other team, how can you give up a first-round pick unless you know you have a multi-year commitment from Rodgers? So let me ask you this, Mike. Um, if Rodgers isn't a possibility, which direction do you think they should go? Like, who would you see? Who would you like to see them pursue? Yeah, the two that come back, I come back to are Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr, because I think Kiwi with this team, like you have a chance to be in the conversation for the playoffs. Like you should be one of the seven best teams in the AFC next year or close to it. And then whatever you get from Zach Wilson is great. Maybe, you know, you get a lot, maybe you get a little. Um, And then I would actually even think about, you know, drafting a third one and just keep putting resources against that position. But clearly they need somebody, Kiwi, to come in and stabilize that position. And I think those two veterans could do that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is, it is really good stuff. Um, my, here, here's what my major concern is: what, what, what happens if you don't get Aaron Rodgers? Like, like based on how everything went down in Denver with Nathaniel Hackett, you know, how how appealing is that for Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr or another veteran quarterback coming in? Like, like, what are you hearing about Nathaniel? Ha- are, are there quarterbacks out there, regardless of how things went down in Denver, Mike, that there are quarterbacks out there wanting to work with Nathaniel? Yeah. Well, here's how I would answer that. If I was trying to attract a quarterback, I would say, look, he did not do a good job in any way, shape, or form. I think that's pretty apparent given the fact that, you know, he didn't make it through, you know, an entire first year. But what I would say is part of that was he was very poor at picking his staff. Like, as an inexperienced head coach, he should have had a ton of experience around him. He didn't. So, that was a mistake, but that's not a death sentence about whether or not he's a good coach or not. And we're going to make sure that we have a really good, experienced staff around him. And he has coached very good quarterbacks to high levels. So I think there is a way you can recruit quarterbacks and explain what happened in Denver. Um, again, like I can give you a lot of examples, but you know, one of the more notable ones that I worked with was a gentleman named Bill Callahan. Bill Callahan is an unbelievable offensive coach. I mean, he is without question, one of the top two or three O-line coaches. It did not work out for him for whatever reason as the head coach of the Raiders, but every year people are trying to hire Bill, solicit his opinion. So both those things can be true. You could be a great coach, but not necessarily a great head coach. 
let me ask you this: as a GM, how difficult is it managing, um, you know, personalities and relationships in terms of have you did you experience play, players who didn't want to play for a certain coach or a certain, um, you know, personnel that you already had on your staff? Oh yeah, without question. And look, candidly, that has to be a factor. Like, you know, when you're going to the free agent market, as Anita just you know um, alluded to, like. You want to make sure that Derek Carr and, you know, be it Jimmy Garoppolo or whomever feel like, hey, this guy can help me get to where I want to go and I can make, you know, a good decision for my career. And Aaron Rodgers played good football with Nathaniel Hackett. That is indisputable. Now, how much credit deserves, that's a different conversation. But I think you could still go into the marketplace and say, hey, there's really good things about Nathaniel Hackett, despite the fact that he's not a great head coach. It will be interesting to see how this all evolves. That's for sure. Quick break. We come back. Um, we'll dive into what we think the Giants need to do with Daniel Jones and uh, and Saquon Barkley. Obviously, having Mike Tannenbaum on the show, former general manager, um, in the know, and so and with the experience. And then uh, some final thoughts on both the matchups, AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, you want to get in? Now's the time to do so. 800-919-3776. It is New York game day here on 98.7 ESPN. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Anita Marks, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, and of course, uh, Matthias Kiwanuka. Uh, Mike, let's get back to you in regard to where the Giants are right now. I said it earlier on in the season, pick up that fifth-year option. They didn't. If they did, it would have been 21, I think 20, 21 million dollars. That's not the case now. Uh, you got Ralph Vacchiano this week reporting that... Uh, in, in, in order to secure a long-term deal with uh, Daniel Jones, it's going to be anywhere between 35 and $40 million. Mike, if you're the general manager, do you do it? Oh, yeah, without question. Because, look, he's not perfect, but he got better, and he's you know a tremendous leader, and he has great character. Who are you going to get? Who, who's going to come in and play quarterback for the Giants who's better? And that player's not going to come in for free. So, when you look at the alternatives, when you look at the draft, um, you know where they're going to be picking realistically. You're looking at possibly Anthony Richardson uh, from the University of Florida, who's a big, good-looking athlete who candidly has some real inconsistencies in his game, but he is clearly the fourth-best quarterback and realistically the one guy that may be there when they draft. So when you look at all their options from the Cars, the Garoppolo's, the Mike Whites of the world, clearly Daniel Jones is their best option, and I think that's why ultimately he'll get franchised. In this situation, what would you have done differently? Would you have re-signed him by now, or, or how do you how how would you have approached this season or this situation? Yeah, I'm betting on Brian Dayball. I know that Brian Dayball is a really good quarterback developer. I want to sign um, 
Daniel Jones as quickly as possible, guys, because to Anita's point, it's just getting more and more expensive. And candidly, if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm like, look, guys, let's just take the angst out of the situation. I'm going to sign a one-year deal. Let's just sign it because I don't want $35 million. I want $45 million. You're not going to be comfortable paying that. No problem. But, you know, guess where I'm going to be near two? Like, we're going to have better receivers. Like, it's inconceivable that they'll have worse receivers. So I will play better. It's another year in the system. And, um, you know, let's just sit here and talk in January of 2024. Like, I'm really good. You know, Kirk Cousins ran this play. It worked out great for him. And I'm betting on myself. I'm betting on my teammates. And I'm betting on my coaches. But why, why should he be asked to do that again? With, with, all, the, with all the horrible quarterback play that's, that's gone on in the league, um, like okay. why, is, why is a guy like Daniel Jones, you know, put in this situation? Because I'm sure they came in and felt like we don't want to get, you know, over our skis and whatever the number would have been, $23 million, you know, have that guaranteed um, if he's not our guy. I mean, and the crazy thing is, guys, like, you know, good backups are, you know, approaching $10 million. And, you know, I just think the three guys that really benefited this year were Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, and Daniel Jones. And, you know, the way they played, they're going to be rewarded handsomely, either long-term or short-term. Um, let's turn our attention to Saquon Barkley, right? Um, he wants to be paid Christian McCaffrey numbers. Okay. Um, I'm someone, and you, you, <laughs> you filled that role. You were a general manager in the, in the NFL. I obviously it's above my pay grade, Mike. Uh, but I'm just someone who like, I, I just can't see spending that kind of money on a running back when we have seen time and time and time and time and time again, you can go out and you could draft a second, third, fourth round running back who could come in as long as you've got the horses up front uh, to, to, to really solidify a, a solid rushing game. So I, I'm not someone for paying that kind of money for a running back, but nonetheless, obviously Saquon Barkley was the straw, the straw that stirred this drink. Um, what, what do you do pertaining to Saquon Barkley? If you do tag him, it's $10 million. That's what the tag is. But again, he's looking for a lot more than that. He wants Christian McCaffrey money. Yep. And I think this is where, you know, these things kind of, you know, it's like if you could get a deal done with Daniel Jones, obviously in a perfect world for the reasons you just stated, Anita, you much rather franchise a running back than a quarterback, but obviously, right. If they don't franchise Daniel Jones, like he will be signed in 10 seconds. And ironically, he may be signed across the street in MetLife by the Jets. So that's a non-starter. Um, but that's why I would work really hard. Even if it was a two-year deal, I want to free up my tag for Saquon. But I think Saquon is a little bit of the exception to the rule because he's so helpful out of the backfield that I would actually pay him and pay him close to McCaffrey because I think he's so impactful on how you play. Kiwi? Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, I guess, you know, um, I don't know. I guess my, my question would be, what is the um, – what's what's the approach? Like, what are what are the expectations for, for next year, and how does that play a role in, in the decision-making, not just with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, but, but with the team as a whole, you know, where they stand with the, you know, with the cap and, and having some, some room or some wiggle room there. What are the expectations for next year, and how, outside of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, is are they going to get there? But but you see, it would be Kiwi. I can't see a scenario where they're better without either of those players. And you're mm -hmm. going into year two, 
And I think you have to show your locker room, like, hey, like, this is what we stand for. Like, I think these are both, like, ideal players to extend because they're great players and they're great teammates. So how do you how do you do that? How do you when, the point I'm getting at is how do you walk into a locker room and preach to everybody and hey we're going for a Super Bowl give your best get out there practice to us and that da da da, da if you're not um, making business decisions that will put you in that situation? Do you do you understand what I'm saying? Like like I feel like you, you can lose a locker room pretty quickly if you start you know, dragging your feet on extending you know people's contracts who are integral parts of the team. And so that's why I was asking like what are the expectations? Does it seem like that they are trying to to get to championship level, or does it seem like they're just still enjoying the the time that they have to continue this full rebuild. Right. But I think what you have to say to yourself is like, w- these are two guys, like obviously there's some easy decisions moving on from Galladay and there's other ways you could create room um, and, and still, you know, build the team in a, a methodical, sensible way. Um, but I just, again, because of their age, their character, their production, like these are two guys that I got to reward and say, Hey, like, we can continue to win like we did this year and rebuild at the same time. Um, I've never been one for tanking, and I don't think it works long-term. And um, Giants deserve a lot of credit for what they got done this year, and I keep building on that, Kiwi. Guys, really quick, we've got less than three minutes left in the show. Dan Grossa picks up where we leave off. Let's go around the board. Um, again, first game, I'm all about the Eagles. I think they're the better team. I'm going to lay the two and a half. I love them in the first half. They have a plus 149 point differential in the first half. They're very aggressive, and you can get that at minus one, one and a half. Uh, I, I love the Eagles today. Mike, I know you like the, you like the 49ers, right? Indeed, I'm just curious. What's your record this year? We haven't heard that yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've said it at least five times on the show. I'm 45 and 18 with best bets. Good for you. Yeah, we, we, thanks. Michael K. hit, and we, uh, we, we talked about that quite a bit, so. That's a that's a great year, Anita. Thank you, I appreciate it. But you're so you're you're on the 49ers, <laughs> Kiwi, Kiwi. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Philadelphia in this one. I think um, for the reasons I said, you know, during the show, Brock Purdy, great, tremendous story. Um, San Francisco's defense is is good, and they obviously have you know um, incredible weapons on the offensive side of the ball. But it's just you know with the lack of experience, I can't go into it and say yes, I, I do believe in this team because at the end of the day, you know, quarterback play is very important. And, um, you know, we haven't seen him react to getting hit or to being down and having to put the team on his back and drive down the field and, and uh, put the ball in the end zone. Ditto. Cincinnati and Kansas City, I've got some major concerns with Mahomes and his ankle. Also, I just think all around Cincinnati is the better team. I'm on the Cats. Uh, give me the points. Mike? Yep, I'm 100% in agreement. They're the better team. I think if they played 10 times, I think Cincinnati went seven or eight. Um, I do think sometimes we take Kansas City's greatness for granted. I mean, to have five um, home game championship games, that, that's just – I mean, we could talk an hour just about how incredible. When you talk about the amount of decisions and, you know, we go back to, like, are they going to be okay without Tyreek Hill? Um, it's really amazing what they did. I, I think sometimes we, all of us, diminish that. But I do think Cincinnati's a uh, better team today. Kiwi? Yeah, 100%. I believe Cincinnati is a better team, but um, I'll put the caveat in there that I, I think it would be much more even if Patrick Mahomes wasn't hurt um, right. or, or you know dealing with an injury. I feel like then it would have been a much more competitive game because, yes, I, I do believe that um, uh, 
you know, Burrow is outperforming um, Patrick, but he has that quality, that that ability to to get whatever he needs to get out of his offense and to you know get out of the pocket and and to create the play where it seems like there is no play to to be made. So, um, you know, not um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll say if Kansas City wins this one, but because of you know where they both are, um, I'm going with Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think we're looking at a a, a Eagles Bengals Super Bowl. I was going to say, Kiwi, way to go out on a limb. Like, you think Cincinnati's going to win, but you're not surprised if Kansas City. That's really – that's how to go out on a limb there, Kiwi. No, no. I'm, I'm putting my foot down. I'm saying I'm saying Cincinnati's going to win, but what I'm saying is I'm not looking at it like, oh, they're definitely going to beat the brakes off of, off of Kansas City. I'm not saying that Kansas City doesn't have a chance. There's a difference. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, I think all four of these teams have a chance. We'll see what happens. Gentlemen, as I always like to say, I love waking up and I love spending my Sunday mornings with you guys. Thank you so much. Um, we've got Tom and Julian who have been producing the show. Appreciate you guys. Um, I did not cough up a lung in the last four hours, which is good news for me. Everybody, enjoy the games today. Stay tuned. Dan Gross is coming your way next right here on 98.7 ESPN.